Okay, so Bay, when we go to the store and we're looking to buy some wine, what is your main criteria for buying that wine? It's gotta have a good label. Yeah, but how many times have you bought wine with a good label and you just haven't enjoyed it that much? There's been a few times. Yeah, well, you see, that's where Wink comes in. Wink, spelled W-I-N-C. Wink makes it easy to discover great wine because Wink's wine experts will select wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, shipped right to your door, starting at just $13 a bottle. And the nice thing is, you still get your good label, because they work with local artists to make sure all of their labels look very interesting and artistic. There's nothing like coming home to a box of delicious Wink wine selected just for you. And I think, personally, that wine pairs very well with movies. Our favorite movie theater is definitely the one that happens to serve wine at it as well. All you gotta do is fill out Wink's palette profile quiz. You answer some simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or translate into a recommendation, like... How do you take your coffee? Or how do you feel about blueberries? You know, things like that. So each month there are new delicious wines. Like right now they've got the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. That's actually in a box Mm -hmm. that we've selected. So we're looking forward to that, trying that one out. And there are no membership fees. So you can skip any month and you can cancel any time. Shipping is covered. And if you don't like a bottle they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. Wow. So discover great wine today. Go to trywink.com slash home viewing. You'll get $20 off your first shipment. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash home viewing for $20 off. Trywink.com slash home viewing. Oh, the last one I have Which left. one is that one? The one we just saw. The one we saw. I, there's too many wars. There's like war for Captain America, war for like some bullshit, like yeah, Iron Man movies. war. You remember all those wars? There was, there, so there's we'll, only been okay, one other so movie we'll, before in this title. No, uh, no way! Oh, those are just regular Avengers movies. Yes. Oh, okay. They're all centered around the war of some sort. <laughs> Wait, there's only two of them? Yeah. For real? Yeah, there's Civil War and Infinity War. Yeah. Those are the Shut only up. two that have war in the title. Yeah, there's like five. Are you talking about War Machine, the character? What? No. What? You see, you oh. don't even... <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> Okay, we got it. What is a war machine? For real. It's the heavy metal cover band for the organ machines. Hey everybody, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is Home Viewing, a podcast where we watch all of our movies in alphabetical order. This week, we watched Black Panther. And we are joined by our guest, uh, our second member of the Organ Machines to be on. <laughs> it's nice because the way this is coming out, it's going to be back to back. It's because Chris was just on for Birdman and next up is Black Panther. So, yes. Yeah. What's up? Hi. I'm Alex from the Organ Machines. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he did. No. That's that's the that's only. Thing. That's the only thing that I. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex is a friend of ours as well. Just we're because we're friends with all of the Organ Machines. Outside of them being the Organ Machines, it's a good life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Alex and I were actually in the same freshman dorm floor together. Aww. Yeah, and I never met Alex then. Because we did, we really only knew each other by sight at that right. point. Uh, it was freshman year; everyone was around. Everyone was around. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do, I do spe- have specific memories of you, like 
out back of the dorm, like smoking your like my tobacco pipe. Tobacco pipe. Shut up. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> With like the jacket and the just oh man. That's God. a hobby. Though. Well, I was I was just thinking <laughs> of how much. Thing? Well, think about how much you think about what you're wearing and what you're doing and what you're seen publicly doing like freshman year of college because you've got this chance you've got all these people who are you're making new first impressions on and who you can influence and I wanted to be the guy with the pipe and the tweed blazer and he was (laughs) you were trying to like make a brand yes I was like I'm here to uh, do things and I'm just gonna look the same as I always have (laughs) but I moved in with my friends so I guess that's different yeah you moved in like I had like my my entire like friend group was the same yeah you see i had the same roommate but we were in a, a roommate from high school but we were in different majors and ran with oh, different yes, groups of people it was very different <laughs> anyway so uh black panther you know the movie about the kid who goes to college and <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be like the prequel or something <laughs> he's the king of wakanda <laughs> but what's he gonna do about midterms <laughs> Wakanda you coming next fall. No. Cue Indie Pop Okay, no, hold on, hold on. But Someone's... also by Kendrick. But also by <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, but like I wanna watch the Wakanda You animated series on Disney. No, okay, okay, okay. No, it's it's uh it's Chloe and Hallie and SZA and Rihanna makes down there somewhere. Oh my god, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is Wakanda you just grownish? Shoot. <laughs> I gotta make a call. <laughs> Damn. Disney properties, man. I mean, they're everywhere. Can work. Make a crossover. Just get Kenya Barris in there. Get Kenya Barris in there and just yeah. shoot. I mean, like, Yo, what, like, what like if, Shuri, Shuri can fly over. Like, yeah. What if What if Shuri was the Wakanda exchange student on the next God, season? It could work. <laughs> it could work. But I'm also seeing like Michael B. Jordan is like. A professor that they have, like a hot professor. Oh it's like, my. wait, you look familiar. No, nah, I don't know what you mean, man. What are you, you talking about? I'm just some kid from Oakland. Like, oh, trying to make a difference in my local community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan Coogler. Speaking of, <laughs> kids from Oakland. God, just like I, I just love the fact that he and Michael B. Jordan have worked together for like I think that's that's the third movie. This is their third because they worked mm-hmm. together on Fruitvale Station, which I haven't seen. They worked together on Creed, which is. Just an excellent, excellent film. I love Creed. Right, also, and like Ludwig Göransson has composed on every single one of Ryan Coogler's. I keep movies. forgetting that. Like, yeah, we like I, I listened to that song, Exploder. Like, they went to college together. Oh, yeah, which is wild. Yeah. To me. yeah, they were both in the film department at UCLA. Well, he was kind of in the film department. He was in like Ludwig Göransson, the Swedish composer for this, was in the film composition major, which is basically like a hybrid program. And UCLA's like film school is legendary like <laughs> oh my god like everybody like coming up in like black in like the black directors and things like that are inspired by like the la rebellion which is specifically from the 1970s in the ucla film school and they were like doing things their own way and like shooting like shooting guerrilla style like without permits and stuff like that oh my god just and they reimagined what it was to make a film basically and and this is the school that ryan coogler is influenced by that ava duvernay is influenced by that this entire like new generation of black directors and oh it's it's so good to see those techniques popping up this explains a lot and i 
now want to see a lot more movies. I feel like Queen Sugar is just a great example, oh, too. Or, yeah. or like uh, Daughters of the Dust. You remember Daughters of the Dust? Yeah. Like, that's such a good movie. Oh, that was a... Uh, I could talk about this. This is another, uh, much <laughs> like last week, this is another thing that I've kind of taken classes on. Oh, good. Um, that I'm... That I, you know, I'm pretty well versed in. We did like two semesters, well, one one semester really focusing on um, black, on uh, new black cinema and black um, the LA Rebellion specifically and black authorship. But we spent a decent amount of time on it before that too. Nice. My background is I have watched one Spike Lee movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there we go. I watched. Oh, what's the name of the movie? Black Dynamite in high school. Have you guys seen that movie? Mm-hmm. I don't think I have, no. I think it's it's this like absurdist kind of um setup of a black exploitation film. Yeah, or? it's like it it's a like it just it's just makes like mockery of the black exploitation films, but also like Austin Powers style. Oh. Incredible. Incredible. It's kind oh. of incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it is wild. It, it's a wild time, I recommend it. Nice. <laughs> okay, so format of the podcast. Let's do that. Oh, yeah. How does this work? So, <laughs> we spend the first half talking about what worked, and the second half talking about what didn't work. I have a feeling that this is going to be all sometimes first we, half. Sometimes we mix it up and do both at the same time. Yeah, because it, it's it, that's kind of just a loose structure, and just we go through and t- kind of go, go where it takes but, us. you know. Yeah. Fashion segment this time. Fashion segment yeah. is going oh, yeah. to be lit this It's going to work, yeah. <laughs> All right, John. What worked? Oh God, it's it's, it's so much. Um, so I was first. I guess my first real experience with the Black Panther character was probably when I was reading Jonathan Hickman's run on New Avengers, which uh, yeah, no one knows what you're talking. Was about. a lead up to the Secret Wars crossover event a few that, years no, ago. No, that's not real. Wait, you just said there was only two wars. Well, I'm talking <laughs> in in the in the movies, but in the comics, do you know how many wars there have been? Well, see, maybe that's what I was just feeling. It <laughs> you got out. your uh, medium. Yeah, you got yeah, your handshake yeah. <laughs> Listen, you everything your... is intertextual. That's that's <laughs> just the truth. But um. <laughs> I was introduced. That's the first time I really got to see like Black Panther in Wakanda and got this idea of Wakanda as a technologically like superior but isolationist nation. And seeing that translated from page to screen so brilliantly, oh, it worked really well for me. And like, what I like too is he didn't completely ape the comics aesthetics of it all. He like still brought in like a very. It wasn't. It wasn't like what Stanley or Jack Kirby's idea of Wakanda was. It was what Wakanda might actually look like if it had been designed in Africa. Like, do you remember the High Museum of uh, the High Museum of Art in Atlanta? They had. You mean the um, Great oh, yeah. the Museum of Great Britain? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously filmed in London, UK, and totally not the High Museum. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they had a, they had an exhibit. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a permanent. I'm pretty sure downstairs, the first and oh, the second floors. Yeah, no, I thought so. They, no, 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 that was oh, no, no, no. the temporary... The other one we went to. Yeah, the, the temporary um, exhibit about um, African design. Right, yeah, like, yeah, no, that one was... It was overwhelming. There was hundred and something pieces in that exhibit. Yeah. It was yeah, wild. Yeah, it was yeah. wild, but you look at that, and then you look at Wakanda on the screen, and that's what that's it looked what, like. Yeah. It's like, it was... You saw skyscrapers, but it was like, what if skyscrapers had been developed... Completely devoid of Western influence, yeah. sort of, and that's uh, that's what was incredible to me. Just, I mean, and other people have talked about this more about how 
Wakanda specifically, like the uh, the dress and the fashion and the and that well, that's that's your department. But oh, no, like, that's fine. the hairstyles and the languages and everything were all pulled from uh, just various nations on the African continent, and it's just. Other people have talked about it better, so... But the entire... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the aesthetic to, make a, is, to make a long story short, they made the Afrofuturism realistic. Yes, exactly. was one of my favorite parts. Because, like, I didn't... I only knew, like, a, like very little about, like, Black Panther and mm-hmm. Wakanda. Like, I'd heard of it. I was like, oh, like, it, the superhero exists. But yeah. I didn't, like, dive into it. And so just seeing that on the screen was just like... I could actually imagine this being real, and I want to live there. Yeah. Really Same. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Afrofuturism is... Such a cool art style, yeah. too. Like, I assume I don't have to get you started on Janelle Monet. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, I could talk for hours about Janelle Monet. I could talk for hours. If about... we start that, I'll just be a puddle on the floor. Oh, about Outcast. About oh. oh, no, we can. We, we don't can... want to get John Stone on that, don't right, we? We'll, we'll, for a... we'll start a different podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about that. The Afrofuturism podcast. No, 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 I don't think I'm quite qualified. <laughs> No, Listeners, in case you can't tell, I'm not black. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just a pod. It's just a podcast, but it's just one episode about Janelle Monet and various like futuristic um, mm-hmm. musical artists. And then the podcast will be done because that's all we'll really be able to do before you devolve the puddles on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just got to give me some time to talk about Sun Ra in there too. Oh, of course, like the originator of. I mean, he's not the originator of Afrofuturism, but I would argue that he was, like, one of the progenitors of it. His his entire thing was that, no, Africans aren't of this earth. They are uh, they are from space, and they will eventually take their place among the cosmos. And Sun, that's, Sun Ra was wild. Oh, he was. He was, but he was incredible. Yeah. Oh, what you were know, we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about how the aesthetics of the film and the design of the what, film. And, what I'm impressed with is how... Like, it keeps with this dark kind of palette, but it's so colorful at the same time. Mm-hmm. You still have the uh, very earthy bass tones of the entire mm-hmm, thing, I would mm-hmm. say. Because you have yeah, your, it's weird. your blacks, natural. your browns, and, like, your red clay. Yeah, but then you also have this, like, crazy technology at the same time. Like, the blending well, is that's, so... Well, that's the thing, too. A lot, of, uh, a lot of Western technology is very based around, like, hard lines. Whereas a lot of what you saw in Wakanda was very... Not was uh, very rounded and soft and... The way that all the technology interacted with each other, like everything was compatible with everything else. Like yeah. you could use the Kamoyo beads to control the sand table, but they were also like your your cell phone essentially. And it mm-hmm. was, uh, and then you you take one off, and it could heal a spinal injury. Right? You know? Like it's, it's just the way that everything like blends into everything else, but also like fits together just naturally. Which I could argue has a lot to do with the general culture portrayed by the uh, nation because they established in the intro that Wakanda is a nation of tribes. Like, right. It's several cultures all together. And you have, when you have this idea of everything, everyone is performing a different task and performing a different purpose, you need something that's going to be able to serve everyone, not just one specific task. Yeah. <sighs> My, this time, the question that I thought of was like, who taught Cheryl all of this? Like, who was her, like, mentor and, like, who developed most of the other stuff? Because I know she mentioned, like, mo- like doing the light rail thing or whatever. Uh-huh, but, yeah. But, um, like, that's not just her. Like, who started all of this? Well, I mean... Like, that could be, like, a whole spinoff, like... 
I, I'd watch that. I would too. <laughs> Shuri, Shuri is established as the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. Like, smarter than Tony Stark, smarter than literally everyone. There's a scene in Infinity War that really, like, establishes that. I mean, we're all smarter than Tony Stark, right? Yeah. Most of us. Depends what you mean by smart. Are any of us better engineers than Tony Stark? Probably not. Probably, probably yes. Not. <laughs> I just remember that once I don't even remember which Avengers movie it was but the whole like oh like then you did the homework I read this overnight and then just like had this whole like I yeah that, the, first, the first the first Avengers movie like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a secret I don't like Iron Man in any like former capacity he's just bad I I disagree but I see your point I, in the Marvel like, movies he's trash like he's not good I I think he's important I think he's important but I was so glad that none of them showed up in this movie. It was so important to me that it was not some dumb crossover event. Yeah. I'm so sick of that. Well, I mean, that was, I think, the problem with the marketing behind Captain America Civil War, which we'll get into in a later episode. But <laughs> Who? Well, no, this is, a self, this is a self-contained movie. Yeah. Yeah. Black Panther first showed up in Civil War, obviously, and like... Civil boring. He was yeah, the best part. Sorry, Meryl. The best part He of was Civil the War. best part of Civil War. Probably. <laughs> yeah, um... And uh, Claw showed up in Age of Ultron, but as directly as a setup for Black Panther to show up later, because right. he was the he's the the traditional antagonist of like Wakanda throughout the comics. So like, as soon as they mentioned like Wakanda and uh, Claw, we we know what's gonna come. Right. It's so good. It's the, so good. Well, like, to segue, like so many strong female characters and like playing an integral role, like that's. Unfortunately, it's still pretty rare. Like, right. Yeah. Well, watch rewatching all these movies that we have so far. I'm like, why did anyone watch these movies? Like, <laughs> it's like, where are the women? Where are the women in any of these movies? Like, this, this is bad. This movie probably has the most women of any of the movies that we've watched so far. Probably right. Like, yeah, no, for sure. Because, like, thinking about it, I don't think we've Birdman did some shit to the women, and it was not good. It was not good. Yeah. Birdman didn't treat women no. well. I don't want to watch Birdman again, quite honestly. This movie treated women very well. And something that's interesting to me, though, I remember after Black Panther came out, a lot of people were like, Killmonger was right, you know? <laughs> and like... You are reading my mind right now. Finish your sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well here's wait, the no, thing. No, no, I know exactly where you're going with And like, when I, when, I, when I first saw it, I was kind of like... Yeah, radical. Yeah, but then they do raise the point. He's kind of using the tools of colonialism to try and decolonialize, which isn't possible. But the second time I saw it, I saw it with my good friend Mary, and she pointed it out. She was like, "How can people keep saying that Killmonger was right when he is literally so violent against literally mm-hmm. all the women in the movie?" Thank you. That is like when I was reading all of the like the hot takes after like Black Panther came out. Like this is my third time. Like all the hot takes came out. Like it's my third time. And too, all the people so. were like, "Oh yeah, like Killmonger's right. Like we gotta rise up and like take it by force." Yada yada yada. But like, I feel like a lot of those missed the very obvious thing about Killmonger is that he doesn't respect women and that's Mm -hmm. like a telltale sign even from like the beginning that like he is not the hero of this story and I think a lot of what he does is they talk about his training he's he co-ops the rhetoric of revolution as a way of trying to gain power which I think is makes him even more sinister and even more effective of a villain because he's the kind of villain that can convince you that he's right right 
And, like, a lot of the points that he was making were right, but did he actually believe those points, or did he just want a violent struggle? Like, and to consolidate power. Right. Because you... When you hear him say things like something... One of... I, I think the most telling moment, he he says, you know, I killed in, Af, in Iraq, I killed in Afghanistan, I killed in America, I killed on this con- continent. Yeah, I also, I could kill you. He doesn't say... Also, I could, also I could reclaim and like overthrow the shackles of the world. His target was never any kind of real equality for everyone else. His target was more empire, right? Because his his whole like impetus is the fact that like black like the original like Black Panther like mm-hmm. T'Chaka's father killed yeah, T'Chaka. Yeah, like T'Challa's T'Challa's father T'Chaka killed. His father. Mm-hmm. So this like drives everything that he does, and so all this is both both revenge for that, and so that his father's plan could be seen through, and it sort of makes him commit to his father's idea of an eventual Wakandan empire. Right. Which is, I thought I thought it was an interesting play on like the different takes on political movements and what what different people's priorities are because. Uh, the character of Wakabi is so interesting to me. Yes. Because he's also... Is that motiv- the Rhino Master? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Daniel... <laughs> Daniel, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Uh, who, fantastic actor. The- he's, he's made questionable choices uh, in Who to Trust two movies in a row. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> he could be doing better, but Daniel, we believe in you. Oh. <laughs> Daniel, winner of the 2018 Best Actor Oscar in my heart. Ugh. <laughs> Of the of the Johnny Award, <laughs> we're, just, we're just not gonna go there. <laughs> Let's not. I was at a party last night and I yelled about this a lot. <laughs> there was much yelling about a lot of things. Listen, someone had the nerve to call the Last Jedi the shitty one to my face. No, why? No, that that's that. Well, no, that's just objectively wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We can get into this another time, but The Last Jedi is one of the most innovative Star Wars movies. If not the most. Um, the But uh, point is, Wakabi is interesting to me, and this is a little on the nose, but he felt kind of like John McCain to me. <laughs> he was like the John McCain of Wakanda. Oh my god. He was like, we have to protect ourselves. We can't let people in here. But if you want me to go out there and make war on everybody else and enforce our will, yeah. Felt... It felt very conservative, for lack of a better term. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it was explicitly conservative politics on his part. He was like, we gotta keep them out, we can impose our will on the rest of the world, though, and, I could, and I'm willing. He, he was a war hawk, essentially, yeah. motivated by his own personal tragedy, just like Killmonger. Right, which would also, like, explain quite a bit as to why I assume... Wakabi trusted Eric Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Well, both because of avenging the death of his parents, but also, like, everything that Killmonger said was basically what uh, Wakabi said in, like, two minutes early in the film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like, almost word for word. Like, if you want us to go out there, and then we can, like, spread the weapons, and we mm-hmm. can, like, rise up from out there, then, yeah, we could totally do that. Exactly, which is why he was so easily manipulated by a foreign power. Um, we could talk about whether or not Killmonger is really like a foreign power, but I think by uh, this is this is something that was just so wonderful for me to see in a in a Marvel movie was just the explicit critiques of 
U.S. foreign policy. Right. Ugh. There were different, like, self-contained lens that only really references the U.S. obliquely. Yeah. So it just, like, puts it in a different, like, self-contained, very black light and lets you see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as also as somebody who is from a country that is the subject of a kind of vile, or, like, not directly from a country, but who has descended from a country that has kind of directly been impacted by violent U.S. foreign policy. It was just talking about, you know, regime toppling and about the way the way to destabilize a country. It just seemed very, oof, very on point and on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, can we talk about how Martin Freeman is God's perfect idiot? <laughs> I love that phrasing so much, but it, it works so perfectly. Yeah, he, he's forget which. Uh, maybe it was Okoye who just like ugh, Americans. Yeah. He was just like the very perfect like, like classic like stereotypical American stand-in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and just you know thinks that he's got control of a situation and is actually very much out of his depth. Like the the fact that he is the the person who always like gets silenced or shouted down or reprimanded is very <laughs> very satisfying. I also. I don't know if this was intentional to put him and Andy Serkis in a room by themselves, but it... <laughs> I mean, it's almost definitely on purpose. Right. <laughs> you know Ryan Coogler was doing some sort of riddles in the dark shout out there, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it also kind of speaks to like the, the self-containment of the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, just that he's like... Sort of like your main link to everything else that had been going on in the Marvel yeah, Universe up absolutely. to this point. And, but also just like the perfect standard for like, this is what every, how everybody else thinks like this should go. Sorry, you have no idea what's going on here. Bogondas existed under your nose for Lord knows mm-hmm. how long. And you have no idea what you're doing. And I feel like even though there, there probably isn't an equivalent of Wakanda in Africa, we know so little about... African politics. By we, I mean like the general we, the U.S. public and as a whole, and probably a lot of the U.S. foreign policy community and the U.S. intelligence community. I mean, there's literally, what, like 30 countries in Africa? I mean, how could we? I'm going to look this up because you you guys remember those um, Sporkle quizzes? (sighs) Yeah. So Sporkle (laughs) was this like beautiful, beautiful time-wasting website (laughs) where you just do like quizzes like, oh, guess the Beatles song by like how many times he uses the word, like, love so, or So, like, her. before BuzzFeed, there were Sporkle. Sorry. Before BuzzFeed quizzes were huge. Yeah. Okay. Sporkle was how I killed time senior year of high school. But there were, <laughs> there was, like, these quizzes where you could try to remember all the names of the countries. Yeah. From memory. I always fail at Africa. Just because Africa's well, yeah, so, there's so big. Because it's, 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 it's massive. There's so many different small countries that we never talk about yeah ever right exactly so how could you know all the intricacies of but you could if we took the time to learn and if there was an institution of education that was interested in teaching it like well we don't need to burn check that right now <laughs> right gonna take too long. but 54 oh my god wikipedia says 54 sovereign states and two disputed territories that yeah, sounds about right. that sounds about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's part of what made the scene in the British Museum um, so so effective too is them talking about where the uh, artifacts were recovered and the idea that no, you're wrong about this one. That's what you think, but that's just because that's where it was stolen from, and this and you didn't bother to look at it. Yeah, 
any further. Oh, actually, so I was reading another article. So apparently, <laughs> you know that um, the last final battle scene, like the big field? Yeah. That was Atlanta. That was not, well, not Atlanta, but like in Georgia. Yeah, no. And then also, apparently, the entrance to the casino. Also. That was Georgia, too. That one. Oh. I guess I just that's, put up that's signs. Su- that's surprising to me because no, I know Marvel no, does no. a lot of filming in South Korea. When they come back out of it, you kind of see this building in the background that looks more like Western, but... Okay. Huh. Like, it, the car chase the itself was... The car chase itself was all... Right, I like, think that was all there, right? yeah. Yeah, no. You, you can tell based on where things are set in the Marvel Universe and where they're... Or based on where they're filmed, what countries and cities have tax breaks for film crews. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Georgia Film Industry, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, my thought is maybe they ran overtime and stuff. Oh, maybe it was, maybe it was reshoots. Too. Yeah, and then they had to like... Fix some of them or something. Right. Yeah. Oh, the production process is so interesting. Apparently, apparently, there's also a Black Panther tour that you can go. There's a Black Panther tour. I mean, I feel like it wouldn't be worth your time, but ticket. I mean, it, no, so, no, 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 South, no, no, South no, Korea's like, on my list, anyway. But like no, here no, in town, no, here no, in no, town. here in like oh, Georgia, yeah. That makes it. I mean, okay, South Korea's on my list. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, that that would be cool. I mean. <laughs> Talking as this if I the, have the money for it. This is the plane ticket tour and you just go to South <laughs> it is, Korea. It, it was interesting, like, not to spoil Infinity War, but there were some scenes in Infinity War where it's like, oh, this was definitely also where they filmed a scene from The Hunger Games, wasn't it? Like, starting to see where the where these, like, common, these, uh, common Atlanta locations for certain sequences are starting to pop up in film is yeah. kind of... It's interesting. It's mm-hmm. interesting, that's for sure. What else? Do we have anything else? Well, um, I, I was going to say the one thing that didn't work... I feel like having... Eric be like actively violent against women was almost too easy of a path to take to like make him a morally complex villain mm-hmm. because we don't need more violence against women on screen. Right. Like we have more than enough of that everywhere else. Exactly. <laughs> I thought, and like you could have done more, like you could have done more to show like, Oh, this is actually him being power hungry than him. A killing the woman who was basically in love with him. Like just straight up, straight right. up like cold blood. Mm hmm. And, like, as much as I love the hey auntie joke... Oh, man. It's still, like, just actively disrespecting all the women who have, like, earned their positions of power. I had to say, that one, that joke was not as funny the third time. Like, the first time it was really funny. And then this time I was like, well, whatever, he's just a little brat. That's the thing, (laughs) is the more you watch it, the more you're like, well, come on, girl. Like, he wasn't as thought out as I thought, like, the the first watch through. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. Like, yeah. half he's, villain. It's kind of fake deep, if I'm being yeah. honest. He's, I mean, and that's a whole thing as well. Yeah. So, like, you, you could pull the layers there. But, yeah, he's, like, basically the fake woke character. Oh, yeah. Like, the fake mm-hmm. American woke character. Who's uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm going to, like, like, wear all the stuff and, like, go back to Africa and, like, free everybody. It was like, do you know what? Do you know how? A, do you know how? A, d- B, do you know what you're talking about? C, are you using tools of colonialism to do that <laughs> and instituting yourself as an autocrat? Right. <laughs> but he does really show that struggling, like, I came from nothing and I'm still trying to find a way to make that right. Like, that, how I feel, you know, a lot of us feel like there's this huge structure of imbalance that we don't know what to do with. Like, yeah. And he's a really good, I guess, voice for that, like, um, sort of very, like, underrepresented, very, like, downtrodden, oppressed, like, segment mm-hmm. that's, like, mm-hmm. trying to find a way to, like, make it better, usually, by, and here by any means necessary. I think the choice to really include 
that this much of an American tilt in the in the narrative was big, very much a Ryan Coogler choice, I would say. Absolutely, because like he's not. He doesn't make films, I think, that aren't concerned with the condition of black people in America. And I think that was to bringing him on for Black Panther. Because what they could have just done is they could have just done it as a African political intrigue story. They could have done that. But the, the choice to bring in the American element was very deliberate. Yeah. And it feels very personal. Because yeah. I, was, I was reading some about, like... Like, Ryan Coogler, like... Mm-hmm. Same, same as, like, Kendrick Lamar did before making The Butterfly. Like... Yeah. Like, got this assignment, like, went to Africa, like, had that whole, like, internal conflict of, like, mm-hmm. this is technically where I, we come from, but I don't have, like, the connection to it that I feel like I should. Exactly. Um, like, and I feel that, like, I'm, like, Caribbean, like, African, mm-hmm. various things, and it's like, we, you can pay lip service to it, but it's, it's tough to actually, like, get in there and, like really know what it's like to have that experience like it's mm-hmm. the african-american experience and like the african like come to america experience is very different, very different. Mm-hmm. and so you you sort of see a little bit of like the differences there in between like um t'challa and, and eric mm-hmm. and yeah just just how it like there's a disconnect like you want to like connect with it but also there's this like literally like oceans worth of divide in between mm-hmm. like relating to that past so is he in the comics then or they killmonger just, yeah. killmonger is a character from the comics is I, he not from america uh i i i'm gonna be honest i actually don't know that much about killmonger the character in the comics because i haven't well i haven't read any of that arc i need to read that arc well i'm saying i could google it right now but okay I well i'm i'm the one i'm the one who <laughs> I, I know the depths of the marvel wiki okay hold on let me see Eric Killmonger comics. <laughs> Let's all Shout go on this Wiki. Google search. <laughs> Who's gonna get there first? He's got more more direct links to Wakanda in in the uh, in the comics universe, from what I can tell. Like mm-hmm. for example, like he essentially ended up exiled because of um, because his father ended up press ganged into working with Claw. Oh, so is that mask he picks kind of similar to the one? Oh that no, he has? The, yeah, the mask is like intentionally. Oh, like, that's cool. That's a good call out. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the mask is so good too. I, oh, I love the mask so much. <laughs> I just, I just love the like very like confident like just the swagger that he has in that moment. Just like, <laughs> oh, is that is that you're, you're not telling me that's vibranium too? It's like, nah, I'm just feeling it. <laughs> I, I did love I did love like when it first came out it's like Michael B. Jordan just redefined Art Ho right <laughs> that, the look the look he has is very good his, yeah. his Simba moment was way better than um, the Chala's so when they go to like the, the dead, ancestral the plane world. although I did like the like, the panthers and T'Challa's like mm-hmm. that was really cool that was so Lion King I oh man so oh, yeah. Yeah, this, <laughs> time, this time I was like Simba <laughs> I mean up to and inclu- including like the purple sky and everything yes just, oh. like purple sky the trees it just had that very same like mm-hmm. feeling so good but Eric's flashback was I mean I think I remember like actually crying like in the theater and I don't I don't like cry in the movies. Like it's yeah, I was close. I think I think I was like I cried too. I was like it me. <laughs> oh, God. Hashtag dead dads club. It, it was it was <laughs> oh, such God. a rip. How many times are you going to use the hashtag dead dads club? There are a lot of protagonists with dead dads, aren't there? Yeah, you have a lot of a, movies. It's a club. 
<laughs> you have a lot of movies. Got a lot of movies. Oh, God. <laughs> but no, it was just so like visceral and like heart wrenching. Like the yeah. first time you see it, you're like, oh my god. It was it was such a good like dive into Killmonger's character. And like, I didn't realize mm-hmm. he was wearing like the same tracksuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Him. Yep. Yeah. Oh no! Like all the visual choices made in this movie are. Very intentional. And then like, in the ancestral plane, they're wearing like the traditional wear. Yeah, yeah exactly. But in like it, in, in, his, in his ancestral he's, plane, he's stuck there, stuck in Oakland. He's in yeah. Oakland because that is his ancestral plane because yeah, he doesn't have a connection he, to right. it. Well, I mean, and and here's something that I got <laughs> that I got from the Jonathan Hickman comics is uh, it plays a lot with the idea that Black Panther is also like the king of the dead. In a way, like he has the ability to commune with the souls of the previous Black Panthers, which is that's so cool. Oh, it's so cool, and like I, it's something that I kind of hope they might eventually get more more into. See, I didn't understand like, the burying thing the first like the first few times. I was like, why are they why do they have to bury them to make them go? To well, this I think place? it's I think it's kind of like a it's sens- like burying a body. And like- it's like a sensory deprivation kind of thing too. I think it's. So it, it helps, like, if you have something pressing Well, yeah. Down. Well, that's well, why I thought the sense. original. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, they're burying him, so he goes to like, the ancestral Yeah, you gotta, yeah. you gotta go on the ground to go to the <laughs> world. <laughs> Meet Simba and Mufasa. Yeah. Ugh. I guess that's one of the, like, big questions I have, like, just exiting the film. is like, wait, so are there no more of the, um... Oh, yeah. The heart-shaped herbs. Why are they What are they gonna herbs? do about that? Okay, no herb comes from inside of a plant. Why aren't they berries? It, all herbs... No, no, no. That that came from no. That was that herb was more like saffron because it came from the inside of a flower. Saffron inside. Saffron is like all the, the little... all the ones I know are outside, like rosemary, basil, yeah. Lime. You, Those are all outside you herbs. Exceeded my uh, herb knowledge. I don't know these inside <laughs> herbs. <laughs> No, sa- oh, no, we got those herbs and spices. No, no, saffron is like the little... I'm an educated white person. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. I didn't know saffron was that's so why pretty. It's, that's, well, that's why it's so that's, expensive. It's basically saffron. But that's it's purple. But that's what I'm saying. It's 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 the uh, sepals oh. of the flower, so that's why it's so expensive. But that's it's not an so... herb, though. That's some... That is an herb. That's some <laughs> flower parts. Uh, is it an is herb? Is it everything or... flower parts? Yeah. Aren't we all just flower parts? No. Isn't <laughs> isn't Tessa Thompson in Annihilation just flower parts? Tessa Thompson is just flower parts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, BRB watching Dirty Computer. <laughs> I, I I love the camera work in the fight scene in the casino. There's that one like long what looks like a long take, and I love I love seeing stuff like that because you can see the the if you if you look closely enough, you can see what what they use is like. To hide the cuts. Yeah. Like, but you have to, like, look very closely. And it's just... All the action was very well directed. There was very well directed, very well shot. And the impact of it felt very real. Um, And then, you know, there was that entire thing that, like... It came out a while ago that uh, Michael B. Jordan is like deep into anime. You you gotta think that Ryan Coogler was partially influenced by fighting anime too. Particularly that... Particularly that one scene where they're on the track and they both release the kinetic energy from their suits at the same time. Yeah. And instead of seeing the actual impact, it cuts away and you see the two colors exploding in the different. That was so anime. I love oh, it so, so anime and so comic book. <laughs> oh. I really felt a connection to Michael B. Jordan when he said that. I feel like Lud- <laughs> Ludwig Göransson's score kind of ratcheted it up, like the pulpiness of it all too. Like especially like when you have those like. Huge orchestral hits at the uh, at the falls when uh, Killmonger has just won. Yeah, and it's just uh, is this your king? Oh, yeah. Oh man, 
Yeah, that score, definitely something that worked. Oh, oh my god. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Absolutely. The, the, scoring, the scoring and the sound design, just, it, it's like, yeah, it's very, like, again, playing with that, like, authentic, mm-hmm. like, Afrofuturism feel, but also, like, again, with Song Exploder, please listen to this. Um, yeah, please listen to that Song Exploder episode. It, about about the Killmonger's theme. Oh, man. And, ugh. Ludwig Göransson, he works too. Like he's like watching this movie and not knowing who did this sound the first time. Like you wouldn't think it was this like Swedish man. Like, right, it's wild. It's, it's this Swedish man who like came to the U.S. and studied at UCLA. I'm like, and what now, would he know about and these come hip-hop up, beats? <laughs> but he's he's like come up through hip hop too. Mm-hmm. Like he's Absolutely. come up through through film composition and hip hop. Like he's the main producer for pretty much all of Childish Gambino's work, right. which is mm. incredible. He also scored like some of the more dramatic episodes of Community too. Like he did, the, <laughs> really? he did the paint, he did the paintballs episodes. What? Did he really? Yeah, no, he did a lot That's of work on Community. Cool. I didn't know I could love him more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, just like well, one that speaks to like hip hop is universal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like the way that um, they juxtapose like the hip hop sounds with the very like traditional like um, like African vocals and the um, like the talking drums, especially the like the T'Challa mm-hmm. theme that, that runs throughout everything, and then just you see, you see like the the shot in London, and as soon as Eric Killmonger shows up, it's just the deep like hip hop the eight oh eight eight oh eight, and that's how you, like you know it's then, Oakland, you know it's Killmonger, you know it's and like, then coming it's about in to like, get real. <laughs> and then I think the trap snare drops when Claw shoots the yeah shoots the woman, and it's just oh incredible. It's just like. Sonic metaphor at its finest. Yeah, I mean the best the best way to learn more about it is to listen to the Song Splitter episode. Yeah. But also, it's like, and also the the way that um, they they blend T'Challa's like more mm-hmm. traditional themes with Killmonger's like very very modern mm-hmm. hip hop themes, mm-hmm. especially like in the fight scenes or like when they're just interacting as a whole. Absolutely, takes it to a whole level. Do we have anything that didn't work? Like. I think, no, we already kind of did that. Like we were, we were going through that. Like I mean, the closest thing was the Killmonger's use of violence against women. But like, oh, man, it, like I, I think I gave this movie five stars on Letterboxd when it oh, first yeah. came out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like this is a truly great movie. This, I mean, not to not to dive into like motion academy of motion picture arts and sciences politics here but like <laughs> this movie is probably the reason that they created the popular the popular film category because they were worried that because they were worried that it wasn't going to get maybe wouldn't get nominated for best picture like that's <laughs> oh man we can only hope for another like moonlight situation oh, okay. <laughs> oh man. as far as i will add something to the things that didn't work or at least for me because it i just like again with Killmonger's, like, sort of fake wokeness. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his, like, very, like, aggressive lines felt a little bit forced. Mm-hmm. Like, a little bit, not on the nose, but just, like, watching it the second and third times, so sometimes it felt, like, a little bit flat. Okay. Just, like, his his monologues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, like, they, they still work. Like, they still they're work still, They're well. still, like, emotionally impactful, but, like... The more you see that woke persona falling apart, the more you can sort of see the cracks in right. the whole thing. Like, I still think "Bury Me in the Sea" is so that like my dad that gets me every time. I was tearing up on your couch. I don't know if you know. Oh, <laughs> oh, bury me, bury me in the sea. That's such a 
That's such like oh. uh, like a telling and very like oh, just like very like timely like mm-hmm. African American experience like yeah. radicalist thing to oh, say. Oh yeah, it's just the perspectives that inform this movie just really are what made it so great. I think bringing in fresh young and non-white talent makes <laughs> so much difference for these for these big pop- popcorn movies. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, and like. I would argue that that's kind of what the last few Marvel movies have been lacking because a lot of the because like on the first round of Marvel movies it was like oh these are fresh people these are people who are like making their own thing like even Iron Man 1 that was like I don't think John Favreau had directed much other than that he he had like directed Swingers at that point and a few more but like mm-hmm. he's the first one to do like a superhero movie um you look at Guardians 1 that was Tim Gunn's first real po- real like blockbuster chance and you see not tim gunn tim gunn's project runway <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're full james gunn james gunn yeah so uh, make it work <laughs> insert english name here gunn, gunn. yeah <laughs> it mr. Was, gunn, but, um, you you s- mr gunn was my father call me james <laughs> <laughs> i personally think that guardians one was much better than guardians two and i think guardians two slumped because James Gunn got comfortable and like told and like told a story that he sort of thought would be comfortable. And we'll see if there even is going to be a Guardians three at this point. Right. Like put it this way: like you haven't seen Infinity War yet, but I will say Infinity. I feel like Infinity War was a better Guardians of the Galaxy movie than Guardians two was. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. (laughs) I mean, I I liked Guardians two. It was basically Guardians one, but more. Yeah, with like more sappy parts. And like, so I don't, I don't mind that. But the, the thing that bugs me is that about Guardians Two, and I can talk about this because I'm never buying that movie, and it's never going to be added into mm-hmm. the, into so our we can, library. We'll just lay this out now. We'll just lay this out now. I thought that Peter Quill wasn't allowed to be wasn't allowed to be Peter Quill in Guardians Two. I thought that he was I, the persona that he's established in Guardians One is like a kind of he has some a part of him that's missing, but he makes up for it with the swagger right. and everything. But I don't think. And I think it's great when it's explored, but I don't think it needs to be the subject of an entire movie. What makes the Guardians work isn't just Peter. And right. like Guardians 2 was a movie that, as much as it tried to be about other things, was pretty much entirely about Peter. Yeah. Like it like everything else was secondary. It's better when it's working as a more directly ensemble film. And yeah. not just like I also think <sighs> Chris Pratt and I have a fraught relationship, but I also don't think that he can fully carry a movie by himself. I think he works best as an ensemble player. Right. Actually, I think it's what one of the big things that makes Black Panther work is just it's a hugely like successful ensemble piece. Yes. From just like all the incredible like performances by Lupita Nyong'o and just everybody else. Nigerira. Oh my god. Just okay. Didn't get to say this before, but the the women in this story are the reason that Black Panther is a alive and b was able to take do do pretty much anything the entire yeah. time. And, and they were and they were they were the voices of reason for him that taught him what his duty was essentially. Right, like what his duty was. But I never freeze freezes. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like I'm the king. Die, almost dies. Like, uh-huh. and then and then it's just one of those one of those things that's like 
the statement that I saw was like, yeah, Killmonger may have been right, but Nakia was never wrong. You exactly. Know? That's, yeah. <laughs> that is the moral of Black Panther to me is that, yeah, Nakia was right the entire time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should have listened to her in the first place. Mm-hmm. And also, um, oh, well, Mbaku, the guy who played Mbaku, I forget his... Winston name. Duke. Winston Duke. His that, f- he, that was a very, like show stealing performance for like oh, absolutely film. I would watch a whole film just about him like. oh, yeah. just about M'Baku well I mean I liked it too because so the character of M'Baku was really racist origins like has really racist origins because it's it's the, the man ma- ma- yeah man <laughs> ape he's literally just that's that's what he goes by yes. <laughs> historically and it, it the way that they pulled that off and the joke the the we are vegetarians is oh, yeah, the like, most... I will, I will feed you to my children. No, we're vegetarians. <laughs> that was the most effective joke in the movie. Absolutely. Like, got the biggest laugh I, in the I, theater I, both times we saw it. Do you remember when we were in the it? theater, though? The, was it, even the first or second time he said that, and, like, it was not a... I think it was the second time, and I'm, like, like laughing my ass off, yeah. and, like, everyone else in the theater was kind of quiet, and I was like, really? <laughs> this was <laughs> the best joke gold. in the movie! Oh, like, yeah. The second experience, they were super white. Like, <laughs> first experience, there was almost like a brawl in the theater. No, that was the second experience. No, no, no. First the time. Second, second time, there was almost a brawl. We saw it first at Midtown Arts. Oh, and that was. No. Yeah, and then the second time was the one we saw it with Mary, where there was almost a brawl in the theater. Do I tell. thought it was reversed. <laughs> no. Dude, well, no, I don't want to. No, we're not going to. Okay. I'm not going to name drop the theater wanna... that was bad. It's not the theater. Well, I don't think the theater can afford to have security for all. <laughs> well, it's just a high volume. It was. Of it was. Yeah. It was also like a midday show on a Friday. Oh, that's okay. why it was weird. Yeah, but that's, I think people just drop time. in there to uh, pass some time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Winston Duke. He was incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Have you seen his red carpet looks? I, that just, man, just like the red carpet looks for this entire cast are my goals. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> just like, you know, like yeah. Fashion, like, all the red carpet looks are incredible. As much as people, like, some people will say that I occasionally look like uh, Michael B. Jordan. He dresses way better than me and looks way better than me, and I'm happy to be... I'm not gonna lie. About, like, three-fourths way through this movie, I was like, he kind of looks like Alex, but I'm just kind of weird about Donald Alex. Hopefully Alex also thinks me up well. My my aunt... Uh, just called me Michael B. Jordan for a month straight after seeing this movie. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about, babe? I think we covered everything pretty well. Well, you didn't. You said you were going to do a fashion. No, we already corner. did. I mean, we did that. Well, can I we talk about anything. the functional what? fashion corner? Yeah, the sneakers. The sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe. The, I think that's a sec- that's also a good joke. Maybe yeah. second best joke. Yeah. <laughs> Shuri again, like also one of the funniest mm-hmm. characters oh, yeah. in the entire movie. No, Ugh. she's the character that we've needed for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just in terms of, like, smarts and wit and just, Because, like, like, science characters in general on screen just tend to, like, they have one redeeming quality, but they can't always be fun, and she is always genuinely, like, herself and fun. Like, science is, like, part of her, but it's not, like, her. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, a thing that she does, and it's not, Mm -hmm. like, this huge separation between it. Right. And she's also not, like, like, for instance, um, like, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Like very like sciencey person. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely no social skills. No yeah. social skills, but also like the like he will get ahead of himself and occasionally mm-hmm. make, you know, like a world killing robot. A world killing robot. Or like um Bruce Banner, like good scientist, 
ended up becoming. I, I, I would like to say I would like to say that by lab safety and uh, and IRB IRB standards, Bruce Banner is not a good scientist. Right. Went straight to human testing on himself. And so Sherry stands like apart from those guys. Well, one is like like you know not an evil scientist. Uh-huh. So good scientist. Why are you wearing open toe shoes in my lab? <laughs> that that was such. That's oh, so the Warner Bros. line just killed me in the theaters. It was incredible. God, <laughs> why are you wearing open toe shoes? Why are your toes out? In my... It just reminds me of all those lab yeah. safety lectures that we all got. You know? Yeah, but she's like the least problematic scientist in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So shout out to her. Okay, I think I'm... time for reading. Oh yeah. What are we gonna read? Panthers, How... little panthers. I mean. It's kind of obvious and on point. <laughs> uh, oh, you're trying to be I'm trying to think of one. This is going to hurt you because you're going to try to be creative and this be like dope. No, it's just going to be Panthers. Yeah, how, Panthers. Okay, how many Panthers out of five? I'm just going to say five. Five Panthers out of five. Yeah. This this movie has like not fallen in my estimation. There are like little details that I noticed every time that I didn't notice before. We didn't even talk about the rhino cavalry. Oh shoot! But, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> we talked about it. War rhinos. <laughs> that that was the best moment in the theater yeah, for me. But was they're, the they're the one that surprised CGI. me the most. Yeah. Still, Actually, excellent. The CGI in this movie was good, yeah. as opposed to some other movies where you're like. That's definitely not an animal that ever existed. Your CGI is so bad. Like no, these, these are just rhinos. The rhinos <laughs> moved like rhinos would move. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. So yeah, five war rhinos out of five. Five panther claws out of five. Mm-hmm. For me, absolutely. <laughs> Babe. Yeah, I think six little panthers out of five. Nice. <laughs> I need something to distinguish it. Just excellent film. I think that's the first one on Letterboxd. I was like solidly five out of five. I think this is the well. I think this is the first um, movie that has just been a consensus maximum rating on our podcast. Yeah. Because it's probably the best movie that we've watched so far. I mean, it's like it. It holds up, mm-hmm. like both through the movie mm-hmm. and when you like watch it again and again like yeah well constructed well designed both like the world within it and then the soundtrack mm-hmm. and the character arcs aren't for the most like 99 percent not really forced yeah like all of it works naturally just like the um like those beads like work with everything just absolutely like, it everything all, that's built it all, it's works. all compatible everything is compatible mm-hmm. with the other even when like there's there's warring parts within it mm-hmm. um I guess I'll like end with that like that see that sunset scene with Killmonger and T'Challa. And, like even though like you know he basically almost killed T'Challa and mm-hmm. like was trying to kill his sister and all that like they still have this moment. They still have this like honorable like distant cousins reunited moment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This... Like just compatible with one another in that like oh, instance. This is excellent. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Watch the movie. All right. Well, uh, we're a part of the Pocket Podcast Network, which they are wonderful, and you should go listen to all the other shows there. For now, this has been Home Viewing. I'm John. I'm Bethany. Thanks for listening. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looks sad at that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands.
Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.